Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Good to hear your voice again. Good to hear your voice. It's good to be back. Good to be back. As we said last time, we're going to do these as often as we're capable, as long as as our schedule allows. And uh, people do seem to enjoy them. We're not, we don't have uh, uh, Joe Rogan's audience size, um, but the people that, that do listen enjoy it. And uh, <laughs> so it's, it, and, and I enjoy talking to you and usually learn things from you. So uh, it's always fun when we get a chance to, to talk, uh, talk to each other again. Yeah, no, I think our audience has a higher IQ than Joe Rogan's uh, combined audience oh, IQ. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of money in being stupid, apparently. Oh, my God, there's so much money in being stupid. There's so much money in being stupid. And there's also money in being the manager of someone who's stupid. Because people, <laughs> yeah. people around Joe Rogan and people like that, um, they make money on based on the money that, that Joe Rogan makes. He's, he's a machine that, that, that feeds and so it's good to be either ignorant, uh, it's good to be ignorant, uh, an ignorant person that a smart person thinks he can market or she can market. Um, and it's good to be somebody who knows how to market dumb people. Well, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, Joe Rogan is one of the highest grossing um, uh, personalities, we'll say, on, uh, on is it Sirius? He's Spotify. Then, Spotify that he's on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, clearly he's a lot of money unless you cross the line like Alex Jones does and you get like a billion dollar uh, judgment against you. Then, you know, you might have to give some of it back. Well, you know, he'll never give any of that back. Those poor people will never see a nickel out of him, I'm sure. But that's uh, what, yeah, that's what I think. I think that uh, that, uh, you know, the verdict um, may cause some people to think twice about doing that kind of thing. But the fact that he'll drag it on and, and, and they'll never see, I, I can't see how they'll see a penny. It's very difficult to not pay uh, court awards. Like they'll chase you and they'll garnish your wages and so on. Um, but uh, the idea that he's going to pay, what was it? 975 million or something yes. like that. Um, I, I just, and you know what? He just continues to go on his show claiming to be a victim. That's the thing about uh, that. That's the interesting dichotomy about people on that far right uh, part of the spectrum is they want to be seen as strong and authoritative and in charge, and at the same time, victims. Yeah. Oh, and, the, you know, the cult of victimhood, well, it, it's their stock and trade because, you know, they they appeal to people who feel like they're hard done by when, you know, they really have the world by the tail. I mean, you know, it's, it's all about this, you know, white people are the most uh, discriminated against people in the world or Christians are the most, it's like, give your head a shake. Uh, you've, you've got so many advantages. The world is, is yeah, sure. There are some who, you know, feel like they should be doing better than, than they are. Don't we all sometimes, but, uh, you know, they find it very reassuring to uh, be told by someone confidently that, uh, any failures in their life is not their fault. It's due to, you know, it, it's due to the nefarious forces of, uh, of George Soros or the world bank or you know, the, the IMF. Don't forget the IMF. Oh, the IMF or, you know, um, the UN with its agenda. 21 and uh, replacement theory and it's but it's not your fault that uh, you know that that uh, you know you're you're suffering a bit because of well, inflation yeah, you're, or you're, pandemic you're or something you're good you're you're hard working you're good at your job you're smart you should be doing better it's not your fault that you're not it's the system is is stacked against you let's fight against the system the funny thing is that the people who are standing up as being anti-authority figures are so entrenched in the system that they supp supposedly are fighting against. It's uh, wealthy patrician 
men um, who are claiming to be victims, these people who, you know, like Trump have a gold toilet um, claiming to be a victim and people um, both see him as strong and authoritative and as a victim. And it's interesting to me how they can hold those two opposing thoughts in their head, because if you're a victim, you're not seen as somebody who's strong and authoritative and in charge. Um, and if you're strong and authoritative and in charge, you can't be made a victim because you're the person in charge. So it's 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 one of the many um, double thinks that go on in that uh, right wing sphere. And it's, it, you know, you, you shake your head at it, but you have to realize that things like facts, um, facts are important to a lot of us. We live in a, in a world where there's a paradigm of true or untrue. Um, they live in a world where true or untrue isn't the paradigm by which they judge things. It's more a question of, you know, in the receiver's point of view, it's what things will confirm for me what I already wanted to believe. And for people like Trump, it's not a matter of truth, true or untrue. It's a matter of what can I get them to believe? What can't I get them to believe? Yeah, and the truth doesn't matter at all. I mean, it. it you know, no. you, you know, you know, some of these people are are smarter than their their utterances are. You know, and the the politicians who specialize uh, in you know, it, and it is pretty much all on the right in in the politics of grievance. Um, you know, they they just feed people's unhappiness about whatever it is. Uh, you know, I, the, there was something the other day. Oh, it was just uh, it was in the paper. Uh, I think it was in the National Post. They were going on about uh, Trudeau's grocery bills, uh, which are about fifty thousand dollars a year. And they, you know, they go on about you know how he gets his boxes of of filtered water, and you know, the taxpayers on the hook for fifty, like fifty two thousand, fifty three thousand dollars a year in grocery bills for the prime minister's household. And so if you read the article down around paragraph four or five or six, they say, oh, and by the way, this is sort of the average that it was uh, during the Harper years as well. Um, you know, of course, there's been inflation since then, too. And, and then Trudeau's got a bigger household. But, uh, you know, but the headline screams, you know, Trudeau is. is, is that's wasting. all that's all people read. It's it's headlines these days. It, yeah. People do not have the they've been conditioned. You know, they used to say that uh, uh, MTV shortened teenagers attention span um and they uh, now we like that tension attention span that that was supposedly short um is now considered long you know the the people their attention span now is uh less than that of a gnat they look at a headline they absorb from the headline they think that they are informed by having read the headline they don't need to read any further because as far as they're concerned, all that they're going to read is stuff that just confirms the headline. And I've had this where I've had arguments with people on social media and they <clears> send <throat> me a the link to an article and I read the article and the article is is agreeing with me. It doesn't it doesn't say what they were arguing at all. Yeah, well, no. uh, you know, and, and they they think this article proves their point. And then I say, yeah. did you read the article? Did you get right to the end? You know, they say, yeah, I, yeah, I did. And it's like, well, then how did you miss this? And I'll copy and paste. And like, then, then you don't hear from them again. Oh, there you are with your facts. Yeah, the facts. Those are, uh, those are things the elites use. Yeah, well, and, you know, I, there's some, some 
you know, terrible statistics that even YouTube, the average viewing time on YouTube is like 32 seconds, which, you know, some people, you know, and that's the average. So, you know, some people are, are, are doing less. less. So that's why TikTok, you know, with 10 second videos or uh, Twitter's got its own lame Two, version yeah, of 220, it. 220, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's even shorter than that because you know, it keeps getting you know shorter and shorter and shorter and people never get context they never get you know they never have things explained to them and that's why you know the, the writing of headlines becomes incredibly powerful because it sets you know it sets people's expectations in the first paragraph which they're not going to read beyond uh, and you know the people who do read or have read other things on it they look at something and they go you know what that doesn't sound right to me let me do a little research and uh, you know look at their sources and it turns out that you know this is a discredited um, you know, study or you know the person is is just an absolute nut who is being quoted uh, but you don't get the story behind the story and the, this little clip society that we have. But like I said, there are politicians who absolutely thrive on that. They thrive on the memes. We saw that Pierre Polev was in trouble because uh, he was tagging all of his uh, his videos with a, an anti-woman, uh, an incel tag. It was part of the hidden tags in his videos. And, uh, you know, which automatically with the algorithms pushes it out to the right kind of angry women hating men mm -hmm. who you know he wants to clearly wants to curry favor with and, and be part of his uh, voting base you know and of course when he's confronted with this when someone actually looks at the coding that's behind his youtube videos and it's been going on for years apparently uh you know he you know he was like i'm shocked shocked to find out that somebody is actually courting angry young men on my behalf i don't know how this happened it was years yeah. ago and i'm and i'm sure that person is gone but uh, i'll uh, i'll get to the bottom of that i'm sure so you know, nudge tuned. nudge wink wink to yeah. the people who uh he's targeting the angry the, they they get it they're like when politicians um that they support turn around and apologize for something or they say something that seems halfway human um the their audience forgives them because they're like we know you you were forced to say that we know what you really think um yeah. and it's i'll tell you it's talking about journalism um i was uh pitching a story to an online uh news uh news uh, uh site mm -hmm. and it's somebody i've pitched to before successfully and the reporter was quite interested and then took it to her editor. And her editor said, last time we did a story which included this personality, the story didn't meet our minimum number of clicks. So we're not going to do anything about that character anymore. And I said, I looked at the last story. I said, yeah, that story really wasn't particularly newsworthy. It really wasn't all that interesting. I said it wasn't the subject matter, it just stunk. <laughs> yeah, I, I said this is ostensibly uh it includes a a, a big Canadian star um who draws eyeballs. And I said it you know, the nature of the stories are completely different. It doesn't matter. If the, the numbers were below 30,000 clicks, anything associated with that story never gets coverage again. So there is no editorial intelligence there saying. That, okay, there's a reason that story didn't catch. This story is different. The context is completely different. There's none of that. It's all just raw numbers with no new, you know, nose for news involved. And I said to the, this woman, I said, you know, that's not really journalism. And she said, I know, but where else am I supposed to work?
Yeah. And what you know god forbid that you know there's a story that that uh, you know a, a real editor looks at and goes you know what this is an important story this is something that people should care about um yeah i know that you know the story about uh, brad pitt and jennifer anderson is going to get uh, you know more more clicks um but you know this is an important story that people should know about because it affects people's lives you know it's not you know it's not the bubblegum pop culture clickbait and it just gets pushed out because, and that's real journalism at that point, because journalism should be, you know, it should inform, it should engage, it should educate, um, you know, it, it, it should make people, uh, make people think, God forbid. And if, you know, those are not necessarily, sadly, the stories that get all the clicks. I mean, the audience that does care about that is an important audience, but when you're running just a pure numbers game, because... Of advertising, and it's always been that way. You know, the newspapers and the TV stations have, have uh, you know, been responsive to uh, at the advertising needs of the people who, uh, who who pay the bills at the end of the day. But they always managed to balance that with important newsworthy stories that was real journalism. And we're really seeing that on you know on every front, receding, um, you know, and especially in the. Uh, in the media that uh, has a, its own ideological bent as well, where it's actually pushing stories um, that they know appeal to their audience, but also align with the interests of the owners. Yeah, it, I mean, it goes back to uh, the 80s and the Reagan era when they deregulated news. News before that was never seen as a profit center for networks. It was seen as a public service yeah. um, that they provided. And it was a required public service. The deregulation allowed it to be turned into a commercial product, which now meant that it had to uh, attract a certain number of eyeballs because it was it could become a profit center. And when you do that, um, you're giving people what you think they want, but not what they actually need, um, because people can't people will not say they want to see stories about things that tell them they're wrong, but they need to see them when they are wrong. Um, that's a public service. It's a public, uh, public good. Mm -hmm. And the, when you're, you mix in dollars, uh, you don't get the, the, you know, the, the, the motivation is completely different. And I will point out that this, uh, this uh, website I was talking about, uh, primarily uh, when I see uh, uh, stuff in, in my Facebook, or Twitter about them, they're talking about popular restaurants that just closed. So I'm like, what? How does that? How does that get the algorithm going? But it's constantly about restaurants that are closing. I'm like, there's no business there. It's closed. You can't even go to it anymore. Exactly. If you're a if you're a young journalist, and this is where you land, I mean, I, my God, your beat is closing restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go find out who, which, which um, longtime favorite restaurant is closing its doors forever. Um, it's that's not journalism. That's writing. Yeah, but it's not journalism. It, it's it's entertainment writing is is what it is. And you know, and that as soon as you start doing that kind of hard journalism, uh, you you know, you you risk turning people off because you know if you're if you're right right down the middle of the line they say no bias one way or the other people are still going to feel challenged by the writing because it doesn't necessarily conform with their view of the world and you know and that happens on the right and the left 
And I think like you, I, I'm a I'm a consumer of all kinds of of, of news and and editorial content. Uh, I was just in the United States, and uh, my room had Fox News. I'm, I think you can get Fox News up here. Yeah, um, you can. And uh, but uh, watching it in the United States, it's like watching an alternate reality, and it's you know, and it's useful for someone like me to 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 watch this because it gives you an idea of sort of what other people are thinking. And it is just, you know, it's, 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 well, Fox News, I think, you know, officially declared that it, it was not actually a news outlet. It was entertainment for, for uh, the purposes of the, uh, of the, uh, the Federal Communications Commission. Well, and the lawsuits um, uh, that went against them, uh, that were brought against them, they said, uh, in, uh, I will paraphrase, that no reasonable person, uh, takes what they say as fact. No, it's like the National Enquirer. Yeah, the, and but yet the people who who consume it do take it. They consume as it fact. as fact. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And you know, we've had the same thing up here north of the border because uh, you know there's been numerous lawsuits against uh, Rebel uh, the Rebel News Network, mm -hmm. and you know one of the defenses uh, that that they have used is we've never said that we're journalists. That you know that we are infotainment. That we are you know that we're opinion. We're 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 all editorial and no facts. Um, therefore, you know you can't uh, you know charge us with with being defamatory because no one takes us seriously because we've never claimed to be journalists. Well, now, that's except, no, that, that, except that's not true. Well, and it hasn't worked in court to, either because yeah. they always seem to lose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and yeah, and then he just goes on like typical. Um, well, uh, then they, they, the right they, they go and fundraise. We're, uh, we're victims. For, we need fundraising. Yeah. And and that's really what it's about. It's about the fundraising. It's not about the news. So, yeah, it's and again, you know, there's there's there is this this grievance culture that has been tapped into. You know, see it in Alberta with the new premier there. And uh, Danielle uh, Smith is, is has tapped into that. She's apologizing to the uh, people who who felt victimized by being unvaccinated. Yeah. um it's, it's like honestly yeah well it's catering to you know talking about unvaccinated will take us to the subject of the emergencies act which is what oh we're we have a subject to. great yes the yes. emergency act yeah. the emergencies act which is the use of the emergencies act uh automatically triggers a review to see if it was enacted properly if the circumstances yeah. well actually it's interesting the emergency act everyone thinks that it is there to pass judgment on the government as to whether it was justified in 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 passing the emergency act mm -hmm. and in fact if you read the mandate in the act i mean and there has to be an inquiry within six months after the invoking of the emergency act under the statute mm -hmm. and the uh the invoking of the emergency act has a different standard than the review. So the invoking of the emergency act, the parliament decides whether or not it's justified and parliament voted and parliament voted. Yes, it is justified. We are invoking it. Otherwise they wouldn't be voting in favor of invoking yes. the, uh, the, the emergency act. Yep. The review that takes place is to examine the circumstances that led up to the invoking of the emergency act and what actions were carried out under it. It is not a judgment of whether or not it was justified. Now you can infer from you know, what, what their findings are, you know, you know, if, they, if they came back and said, wow, there's nothing here, 
um, which comes out in the evidence. It's really the compiling of evidence of uh, you know the history of the of the invoking of the uh, of the emergency act that, that this hearing is about. But everyone's treating it like it's going to you know at the end of the day there's going to be a yes no decision by the justice who's conducting it to say yes it was justified. Um, that's not going to happen. All we're doing is figuring out what the hell did happen um, during the thing. You know who did what and what were the facts. It's really a fact finding mission as opposed to a judgment. Anyway, sorry, I just that's put in, my, no. That's that's interesting to note. Here's my um, little lawyer thing, and, and somebody else on Twitter was talking about that too. A uh, you know a constitutional uh, uh, lawyer who's much smarter than me uh, did a did a um, a, a Twitter uh, uh, storm about about uh, what the uh, the actual inquiry was about. Well, the, it's no matter what the outcome, one side is going to be angry because they're not going to get what they wanted, and regardless of what you just said as to what the inquiry is actually looking at, it's going to be misrepresented as representing something that it is not. And that's what will stick in, in perception is reality. That's what will stick. Um, I think that based on the testimony we've heard so far, it seems very unlikely that it'll be that, that this was not a necessary, uh, a necessary act carried out in a prudent manner without overreach the number of people who say that it was martial law and no and it wasn't i mean no. it, 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 that's a completely different thing um than than you know the the, the military was not called out uh, because that's the martial part of martial law yeah it was law enforcement it was the you know it was mobilizing the rcmp to help the provincial police to help the municipal police but uh, you know there were no soldiers on the street there was no martial law well and our civil rights weren't suspended no no, no. And, and that's part say, of martial well, law. Yeah. And they say, well, they froze bank accounts and, you know, and, and they get very upset about that. And they said, well, yeah, they froze bank accounts of people who were funding what was deemed to be in the, in the uh, an illegal act. Um, you know, if you are funding terrorism <clears throat> or even a bank robbery, then, you know, you, you know, courts seize people's money all the time. Banks um, freeze accounts. All yeah. The they time freeze too. accounts if there's criminal activity going on because, you know, it's not in the public interest to fund criminal activities. Uh, and most of those most of those uh, accounts were unfrozen except for sort of the big GoFundMes, which, uh, you know, they're, um, which were, you know, a lot of that money was was refunded back to the people who, uh, who yeah. donated to the yeah. thing. And some of it was, you know, taken out uh, and, and used for legal defense and hotel rooms and stuff by the by various convoy organizers as well. Yeah, uh, no, but they, there was no, there was no suspension of civil liberties. People, people were being charged in accordance with law, or as it turns out, as we're hearing from the evidence of the Ottawa police, they weren't charged uh, when they should have been. Uh, if anything, the uh, the convoy people got off incredibly light in terms of uh, legal consequences. It's, uh, it, uh, <clears throat> I find that the people who are upset about it uh, go out of their way to minimize the impact that the uh, the truckers had on the city of Ottawa and the citizens of Ottawa. Yeah. Um, the, we had people testify that, that they were made ill by the diesel fumes. Um, we had a, uh, a blind woman testifying that the noises made it difficult for her to orient herself, I believe. Yeah, that she couldn't get around and uh, that she couldn't get food or anything delivered to her because, you know, she navigates mostly by sound. I think she was one of the first witnesses and she was a very compelling witness just about how, per you know, a very personal level, how the, the, uh, the, the peaceful convoy 
disrupted her life. And there was uh, talk that uh, there were kids who had to miss chemo appointments because mm-hmm. they couldn't get to the appointments because of the truckers. Um, there's the horns honking in the middle of the night where people say, oh, it's just a little noise. No, doctors know that a prolonged uh, bad sleep or lack of sleep is a huge problem physiologically. Yeah. And to, so they minimize it. They say, oh, somebody's just honking horn, such snowflakes. Businesses were impacted in a negative yeah. way. Um, well, was- and they keep going on about it being a peaceful protest. And the, uh, part of the evidence from the Ottawa police is that they laid uh, 500 charges over the course of it. And you know, they basically said, you know, we would have laid an awful lot more. Um, but, you know, we were we were scared that, you know, charging somebody or arresting someone or giving even giving them a ticket was going to cause uh, a riot. So we didn't charge a whole bunch of people we really should have been charging. And a lot of the 500 charges were um, you know, were were physical safety issues. They, you know, it wasn't uh, you know, it wasn't jaywalking they were getting tickets for. It was altercations. It was confrontations. Well, you're never going to. I, I think the opinions are baked in at this point yeah. uh, there's i don't think that this uh inquiry is going to change anybody's opinion um i i think that it's a good healthy thing for a democracy that we automatically have one of these when the emergencies act is is enacted i think it's it it's proper and right to have <clears throat> this um and uh, but the people who want to 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 say that this was a government overreach that it was tyranny um first of all they don't understand the meaning of tyranny um no when you're allowed to congregate and block a city for two weeks fully put a hot uh, tub in front of the um, the uh, the parliament buildings yeah and put out a bouncy cancel um yeah. when you were able to do that there's no tyrant in charge tyrants are when you raise your voice to to speak against the government you disappear yeah the, 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 women, the women of Iran are not putting up bouncy castles. I guarantee you that. Yeah. And uh, so they don't understand that they've heard that they get their, their, their jaws around a bone like a dog with the word yeah. tyranny. And they think it makes it sound like they are on some noble crusade. And they don't understand tyranny. Well, they don't understand like, dictatorships. You know, and it's like it, the whole freedom convoy, the idea of freedom, if you ever, and several people, you know, tried to interview them and say, okay, why are you here? Is this my freedom? Well, what freedom? Um, yeah. Well, I want to be able to go to the United States. We say, well, you know, the United States won't let you in because they got the same laws we do. Uh, yeah. You, you yeah. can't go to the United States. Well, well, you know, mobility. And I say, well, didn't you just drive here from Alberta? Like that's yeah. pretty mobile. Well, yeah. what, what freedoms exactly are are you saying? But you know, no, no. Well, but my freedom. It's like, oh, really? Just you know, it, it just, just became be smarter. It just became. I mean, in the states, uh, they've fetishized the term freedom too to mean something that it doesn't mean. It means not having to do anything that is mildly inconvenient. Well, they're looking for license, not freedom. Yeah, they're looking for license to do things without there being any obligations on them uh, or consequences of yeah. their actions. It's and the freedom of a five-year-old is what it is. It, exactly. It's it's childish. Um, it, when they when they keep calling Trudeau a dictator and say we're in a dictatorship, it's like 
he was reelected during COVID. There was a referendum on for a third time. Yeah, how the government handled COVID. There was a referendum. It was an election. He was reelected. Um, he is in a minority parliament and re- relies on the support of other parties to get uh, bills passed. So they have to moderate or change um, their legislative agenda to suit uh, the, the tastes of another party. They're not able to push through just anything they want. This is not in any way a dictatorship. They don't yeah. understand. And the ones who say it would have been over if Trudeau had come out and addressed them. Well, first of all, uh, yeah, all, all those nice people with the hang Trudeau signs. Let's yeah. go out and have a little talk with them. First of all, you do not get to just show up and demand an audience with the prime minister or the governor uh, general or the or the, the leader of the Senate, which is what they demanded. Yeah, you don't get to show up and use force and intimidation. That is tyranny. That, that you, is the tyranny. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to, to do that and be rewarded. Secondly, no, it would not have been um it would not have ended because they wanted a specific goal. They didn't want to just talk to Trudeau. They wanted Trudeau to do what they wanted. So as soon as Trudeau came out and met them and said, look, I'm not changing these mandates. First of all, most of the mandates you're complaining about are provincial, but the federal mandates, no, I'm not, I'm not lifting them. As soon as they got an answer they didn't like, <coughs> it would have continued anyways. Yeah. yeah. So all of these are just lies. It's just aggravating to have to deal with so many liars and people who refuse to entertain the truth um, because it does it makes them feel bad. Yeah, yeah, and you know it it doesn't suit this narrative that they've built. And you know they're they're like you said they're impervious to news, they're impervious to information. Um, and you know, I said yeah, I think like you said that you know it not not only is it required that there be an inquiry following the the invoking the emergencies act it is a good healthy democratic thing to uh, you know to, to to you know see what was going on that did lead to it and like i said you know this this isn't a judgment this isn't you know monday morning quarterbacking a judgment call about whether it was although people will treat it that way you know well and while we were talking i i, I actually looked it up section 63 of the emergencies act says the government council shall within 60 days after the expiration of a declaration of emergency caused an inquiry to be held into the circumstances that led to the declaration being issued and the measures taken for dealing with the emergency. That's it. The circumstances and the measures. It's not about whether it was justified or any of the other stuff. It is like what happened. And we are finding out incredibly useful stuff. We're finding out that the Ottawa Police Department is basically the Keystone Cops with, yeah. uh, you know, they were... A combination of, you know, well, it was described uh, by senior people there that there was an insurrection within the Ottawa Police Department because they didn't want to, they didn't want to move along the uh, the protesters. Uh, we saw. Now, did they, is that because they were ideologically aligned, or they just didn't feel that it was a safe thing to do? A little from column A, a little from column B, okay. uh, because we did see videos at the time of of Ottawa police uh, officers talking to protesters coming into the town saying, yo, you know what? I'm sympathetic. I'm with you guys. Uh, yeah, and apparently yeah. that was happening at, at higher levels as well. And then there was also, uh, you know, I, I call it the thin blue wine. They, uh, <laughs> they just, uh, you know, like, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm a scared of these people in their hot tub. Uh, you know, don't, 
I, I know I'm a, a police officer, but you know, do I have to deal with people who are breaking the law? I mean, where's that in my job description? <laughs> um, and there was there was a big bunch of that where they, you know, I don't think the Ottawa police brass were sure that if they sent people out there that they could rely on them until, uh, you know, and then we've got Doug Ford, who, you know, didn't, you know, didn't, wouldn't take any meetings with these people. You know, he's pretty sure that Ottawa isn't actually in Ontario. Uh, wouldn't mobilize the OPP, wouldn't wouldn't even return phone calls asking for help until, you know, uh, at the very last minute. And then the Emergency Act and the RCMP came in to bolster the, the numbers and put a little bit, bit of backbone in them. And if anything, the Emergency Act, and this isn't the purpose of the Emergency Act, but it actually put a little bit of backbone into the police forces to actually deal with this thing because it happened almost instantaneously because, you know, no more fooling around. Uh, who yeah. knows how long it would have lasted with you know the, the the Keystone cops who were in charge doing absolutely nothing. It wouldn't have left, you know. No, it's... they wouldn't. Have. They'd still be there. They'd be, they'd be those people who are camped out. You know, you see them. You see one or two tents, you know, in front of every government building around the world of somebody with an issue. Except in this case, it would have been five or six or ten thousand people in rotation, uh, you know, talking about their freedoms. Yeah, it's uh, you know the math is quite simple that when it was under the jurisdiction of the province, the premier took no action. Premier Ford, like when things are going south, usually he was nowhere to be seen. Like the pandemic. It's like, yeah, like the sorry, this is this is cottage time. Yeah, it's he's got to go to his cottage. He's got to make a cheesecake. Um, you know, he, he just no leadership whatsoever because he doesn't want to be on the hook for making a decision. So he disappears. So he doesn't make a decision. Now, disappearing is its own decision. Um, yeah. It didn't go against him in the last provincial election because for numerous reasons, people just didn't seem to care about the provincial election. Uh, they couldn't get excited about it. But he uh, he was derelict of duty and he, th he, he, he pushed the whole affair onto the federal government. So like, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna let it get so bad that you guys are going to have to do it and you will have to bear the consequences. And they, we really need to focus on the fact that this uh, accelerated to the point that it did. It escalated because uh, the premier of Ontario refused to take any leadership. Yeah. And, and it, the, the similar protests that tried to coalesce in Toronto uh, were nipped in the bud by a combination of the Toronto Police Force and the OP because you know he didn't want that on his own doorstep you know they blockaded for for weekends uh all the routes in and around queen's park to make sure the trucks couldn't get there oh they sh they shut it i mean there was all there was talk you know we're coming to toronto we're going to shut down toronto toronto was ready yeah and what it didn't even they didn't even have a day really um of uh impact on the city they, they were really uh headed off at the pass and yep. uh, Ottawa, if they had taken it seriously, um, they figured, ah, people will show up, they'll make noise, they'll go home. Yeah, um, and, and that's what's coming out in the, in the, you know, and I think it's, you know, unrealistic because the, you know, the OPP had different intelligence saying like, these guys are hunkering, coming in from long way away and hunkering it down for a long-term siege. They've got all the stuff and, you know, and they're, you know, their social media is really about, you know, an occupation. It's not about a weekend of honking and protest and then everyone's going to go home. Um, and they fed that information to the Ottawa police. The Ottawa police, 
were saying, you know, yesterday and the day before in, in the uh, inquiry that they really thought this was going to be like a one, two day event, sort of like winter loot. Um, it's like, <laughs> I, it, really? Um, this, like all the signs were there and you were being told, you were being told by the OPP intelligence unit that, that this is coming. And they just refused to do anything, whether it was blocking off the downtown core. I mean, there was some lame excuse saying like, well, you know, the 417 is a, is a, a provincial highway. It's a 400 series highway. And we don't have any control over the off ramps. Um, so we couldn't stop people from getting into the off, uh, coming into the downtown core. But, you know, this is, you know, next day justification of, of, of why they, you know, had such a pathetic response to this. Yeah, it, it, I don't <clears throat> think that this will uh, land on uh, Ford the way that it should. Uh, I think that he he rolled the political dice and he won. The He ducked responsibility. He didn't have to piss off members of his base. Yeah. And Initially, when the polling was in favor you know, and his base was, was quite happy with the convoy, but as it, as it wore on, I think... I think the general Ontario population, not you know, not just Ottawa, but the general Ontario population, started going like, okay, enough's enough. It's time for these people to go, and that's when Ford now is stepping up and standing next to Trudeau and saying, like, I was with you from the beginning. I wholeheartedly stand behind the invocation of the uh, Emergency Act, and and you know, we can't have a bunch of Yahoo shutting down the government. So he's he's been sort of a born again. Uh, anti-convoy uh, people where, you know, he's trying to have it both ways because he was currying favor, not as much as as the the, the federal uh, conservative caucus was was out there glad handing and handing out Timbits to uh, to the truckers uh, while they were in front of par the parliament buildings. But, uh, you know, but and again, you know, the disappearing act, you know, he was saying like, well, I will gladly appear in front of the uh, Emergencies Act uh, Commission uh, of Inquiry. And, uh, you know, all they've got to do is ask me. So they asked him and then he said, no, I'm not coming. And uh, they issued a summons for him just today uh, to him appear because it can compel witnesses. And the first thing the Ford uh, government did was uh, file for an injunction to uh, to keep him from having to testify in front of the Emergencies Act uh, Commission of Inquiry because of parliamentary privilege. Yeah, it's which sounds very Trumpian, <laughs> it, doesn't it? And you know what's interesting is when uh, the Trudeau government used parliamentary privilege to block out some portions of uh, reports and 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 meetings uh, transcripts, the conservatives freaked out over it. But yeah. here, here is for you know again, it's and this is not rules for you, rules for me. Yeah, this is not limited to to the right either. Um, when uh, your guy does it, it's bad. When our guy does it, it's good. Yeah, and that's the whole. That's the the range of thinking. Um, moving to the U.S., if you know, if we will. Um, I was just there. I had my first COVID travel. Uh, I was in Washington D.C. Uh, ten ten two weeks ago. Oh um, really? Yes, I was, and uh, it was what my took first... you there. I, it was a charity that uh, I do work with, and they're having the annual meeting of the American chapter. Uh, they did it in Washington, D.C. I hadn't been there in, in, in 40 years. I was there as a young, young shaver, and uh, so I was quite anxious to get back there and, and see it. And it's, it's an incredibly safe downtown now, you know, post-January uh, 6th. There's, uh, you know, it's not a conspicuous <laughs> military presence. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, you know that there's a lot of eyes on you when you're walking around, you know, whether it's the mall or uh, you're in front of the White House or you're, uh, you know, you're walking up the Capitol, which is, you know, still has lots of uh, lots, lots of fences. Interesting. Um, did you notice you've been to the States many times before? Did you oh, yeah. did you notice appreciably any difference in the feel of being there? You know, no, not well. Someone said uh, I, I told a, a native DCer that it'd been forty years, and they said, "Well, you know, does it look different?" So I said, "Well, the first thing I know, it's not as many hookers as there used to be." <laughs> um, and they they thought for a second, they went, "Yeah, I guess that's true." Uh, yeah, I remember it. The downtown core being much rougher. Uh, 40 years ago uh, you know more crime you know the area between Georgetown and, and the Beltway was was you know could, was quite dangerous actually mm-hmm. uh, you know burned out buildings and cars up on blocks 40 years ago and now it's you know it's not so much gentrified as it's a real capital city where they've spent some money on cleaning things up and all the marble is polished and there's tourists everywhere going to all the various Smithsonian's and and, and events um, it's, it's but you know, aside from the street vendors who are selling T-shirts, uh, you know, the Let's Go Brandon T-shirts and uh, Trump number one right next to the Biden T-shirts because they're just making a buck. They don't care what it says on them. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's Americans. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like, eh, I don't care what your political beliefs are as long as you buy something. Yeah. Um, the uh, it, it's. <sighs> when i was when i was there you know i didn't talk a lot of politics with people actually you know the event that i was at was held in the the uh, church that is across the street from the white house the where, one that uh, trump walked the one, with the upside down the bible where, yeah where he tear gassed all the peaceful protesters and uh, you know so he could stand on the steps with an upside down bible so one uh, one of the events uh, that i was at was actually in that church so it's kind of interesting standing on those steps and uh, and and looking. It's you know, and it's a long walk to the White House from there. It's it's green space between the two of it, but it's uh, you know the better part of a kilometer away. So that was uh, that was quite the march. And the other I'm thing that you could my, make it. Well, well, and my wife uh, you know, uh, has said this a couple of times that you know walk from the White House to the Capitol along the Mall. Yeah, people who don't have a sense of sort of geography of of the city. It is a long walk. It is, it's a 20, 30 minute walk uh, from, from the, uh, the White House along to the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And that's a long way for a spontaneous crowd to saunter uh with uh hey you know let's go over to the capital now and uh it's like you've got lots of time for reflection and second thoughts um you'd have to be pretty determined to march on the capital from that distance without having second thoughts about what you're going to do when you get there so um you know it, it really you know the 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 geography of it really gives you an idea of the mindset of the people who did storm the capital yeah uh i just you know i know that uh i I'm uncomfortable with the thought of going to the U.S. now because I get the feeling the whole place is, you know, on its last nerve. Um, and it's it, I it just feels like a foreign land at this point in time. It feels like a place It used to be that I would go to the States often. Um, you know, there were differences that were obvious, but I never felt particularly unsafe there or felt like there was maniacs around every corner because at that time there were still 
civil codes of behavior that were well, enforced. You were going to the wrong cities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we didn't I remember have... being in New Orleans once and uh, walking down one of the streets, uh, you know, a pedestrian walkway. And I saw a really interesting looking uh, building all lit up. It was nighttime and everyone's walking around with, with drinks. And there was a cop sitting on the hood of his car. He had a drink. Um, I, I'm going to say it was non-alcoholic, but I don't think it was. No, that's uh, New Orleans is its own place. Yeah, it, it was. And I started walking towards the, you know, down this this big, well-lit side street. And the cop yelled at me. He said, hey, where are you going? I said, oh, I'm just going to go look over there. He goes, don't go down there. There's robbers down there. They'll kill you. <laughs> um, thanks. I appreciate the advice. But, you know, you're a cop. Shouldn't you be doing something yeah, about yeah. that? Like, you know, yeah, I am. I'm up. telling you not to go. Yeah, that's it. That's my my job ends right there. He wasn't even going to get off the hood of his car. Uh, you know, he was sitting on the bumper and uh, he was not going to move. <laughs> but, so there are some places in the United States. You know, I had a similar oh, experience in Atlanta yeah. as well, where I was advised uh, by the locals I should be uh, not in the park that I was walking through as a shortcut. Interesting. Oh, what yeah. an interesting place. You, you just have to keep your wits about you. <laughs> well, the thing is that I didn't have to worry about uh, the emergence of Karens back mm -hmm when I used to go to the States. I mean, people now, it, it's like the uh, a governor has been removed from them, a limiter has been removed, and things that people recognized before were uh, unacceptable behavior have now been made acceptable public behavior by a former president of the United States. And people are just shuck, uh, throwing off any semblance of anything that uh, indicates knowing how to live side by side with other people. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it, it confuses me. You know, I, I get concerned about what's, what's going to happen when I'm down there. Also, do I really want to be around a bunch of people waving Trump flags and things like that? I don't know how pervasive it is. Uh, I know that here where I live up in, uh, in uh, Holland Landing area, um, I see a number of trucks with the F Trudeau uh, flag or stickers on yeah. them and it's like, on, the, oh. on the hockey stick yep oh i'm just like oh for god's sakes and i hate that but at least i know that that's in my country uh the, the u.s is it's a madhouse um yeah well in canada you have some kind of i mean we like to think that we do have sort of a veneer of civility up here as well although it's wearing pretty thin and it is and we know, and we know kind of the rules up here as well where but as you go to the united states you really do uh, what's that expression? You feel like a long-tailed cat in a uh, room full of rocking chairs. Yeah, uh, you just are never sure when you're going to hit a nerve on somebody. You can always fall back and oh, I'm sorry, I'm a Canadian. You know, I have no, you know, I I got no idea what you people do down here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and just plead uh, foreign ignorance. But uh, it's so easy to step into something where someone could get very, very heated with you very fast because they're uh, like you say, their civility is worn very, very thin, and they wear a lot of their their tribal allegiances very, very close to the surface. And I wonder, I, I'm looking at the constantly the back and forth polls in the united states for the midterms mm -hmm. uh the republicans were going to slaughter the democrats then the democrats gained ground when people were concerned about abortion in the u.s um now people are less concerned with abortion in the u.s and more concerned about uh inflation and immigration and crime and the republicans are edging back up i have a gut feeling that all these supposed democratic uh, democratic support is going to disappear. I have a feeling that the Republicans are going to take uh, both uh, houses. Yeah, well, and you know the 
angry people tend to be motivated voters. I mean, yes. in, in any country. And for a while, like you said, you know, and I hope, I hope that there is still enough anger among women about uh, about the Supreme Court uh, overturning the right to abortion and the and the, all the southern states mostly and some of the northern states, uh, you know, immediately following suit and, and, and banning abortion, you know, that that was an, uh, an angry event that was going to mobilize voters. And I think the Democrats really counted on that. Um, you know, you've seen some Republicans who have been, you know, you know, Dr. Oz, for example, who has, you know, once was when when the Republicans were riding high was very anti-abortion and, you know, has has since modified his position over the course of the election, saying, well, when I said, you know, no abortions for anybody, what I really meant was abortions for some people. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, 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 you know, you know, as soon as they get in. Uh, they're never going to vote against party lines if there is a federal uh, abortion ban, um, or you know, or what they call the definition of you know we're going to regulate abortion, but the regulations could be so strict that you know, it makes it basically impossible to get one. Um, the, none of these people who are now kind of playing soft on the abortion issue, you know, who are Republicans, they're not going to break party lines. They're going to vote for whatever hardline anti-abortion bill that their their party puts forward because. That's the bare knuckle politics that uh, that Republicans play. Well, you want to get reelected, or do you want to get primaried? Yeah, and, and that's what it comes of, down to. Them. And there's tons of money we can give you, or there's tons of money we can spend against you. You know, which one would you like it to be? Yeah, and you know, there's a, a group of Republican uh, legislators who are saying that uh, they get control. Uh, they're going to uh, uh, risk defaulting on U.S. debt. They're not going to vote to raise the debt ceiling unless yeah. Democrats agree to cuts in Social Security and Medicare. And the thing mm -hmm. is that that old people tend to vote Republican. Social Security and, and Medicare, um, the, the huge numbers of senior citizens need those services. And yeah. yet you'll still get older people voting against their interests yeah. because and, and they, they won't vote they for a damn Democrat. Do. Yeah, right, because it, it'll be worse. And if they, they consistently you know, I, i'm amazed that conservatives republicans consistently get people to vote against their own interests i mean we saw it uh, with you know with uh, a couple of the conservative you know go back to ancient history you know the, the mike harris wave when when he had overwhelming support from people who were incredibly low income uh, because he talked about, I'm going to get rid of the welfare frauds and, and the, uh, you know, the, the scroungers and the loafers. And everyone figured he was talking about somebody else. He wasn't talking about them, but he was talking about them. And they consistently vote against their interests. You know, the Americans, you know, you've got people who ha don't have two nickels to rub together and live in a shotgun shack without uh, running water, but they're still against the capital gains tax um, because, you know, someday they're going to be a millionaire and they're going to need that capital gains tax. And wow. so they will vote for the people, you know, and it's no, it's no surprise that, you know, the poorest, least served, uneducated, uh, unhealthiest states are all the Southern Republican states. You know, look at Florida, you know, um, you know, the people who vote against all kinds of social services um, are, you know, the victims of the hurricane. And now they're, you know, they're going like, well, who, who's here to help us? They say, well, there's no one here to help us because you've been voting in people like DeSantis for years who've been cutting services, emergency services and, and insurance and all kinds of other things to help you. Uh, you've gutted the system that you now want to help you. 
And they, they just have this disconnect between people paying their fair share of taxes and getting decent services from your government. Well, they turn it around and they say that there's no money to help them because it's going to immigrants, immigrants. And, and black people. Um, you know, it's going to welfare. It's, uh, you know, it's going to all these people who don't deserve it. Um, that's why you don't have it. And it would be worse if the uh, if the Democrats came in, they'd give even more to these people. There'd be even less for you. And these people like they, it, it, it doesn't take much to do a little research, a tiny bit of research on online to the, these are these are very thin lies that they're telling. It wouldn't take much to to read up into, but people are so they identify with the intangibles that they believe come with voting for a certain party. Um, they they see themselves in these intangibles, and they will vote Republican because they've always voted Republican. Americans are not very good about saying I made a mistake and changing their minds. They will continue to follow the wrong path, knowing it's the wrong path, because at least they didn't show, tell anybody they were wrong. Yeah, uh, or show that they'd made them. Yeah, because they show they'd made a mistake. And of course, that that in itself that is weakness. Um, but it's uh, I'll be curious to see what happens. I mean, the Democrats, uh, the, the idea that the Democrats uh, organized a massive campaign to steal an election is absurd when you look at the fact that they can't come together on anything. They had the uh, the presidency, the Senate, the House, and they were fighting with each other. They couldn't get the Biden's agenda through. They controlled all the levers of power. And this happened when Obama was elected and he had all three uh, branches of the government. They fought him too. Yeah. And the idea that Democrats could come together to organize some kind of massive subterfuge, it's absurd. Look at them. They can't even, <laughs> they can't even craft policy together. And win uh, when they're winning. So, how, you know, how are they going to steal something from, uh, you know, with these vast machinations? It's, and, and so, you know, the problem is, and we see this in Canada as well, that sometimes the, uh, you know, the, the left is more interested in fighting each other over purity tests that make no difference instead of getting the basic job done that needs to be done in order to govern properly and to be successful. I mean, I, you know, I, I still believe that, you know, governing well should be its own reward and should be rewarded by the voters. It isn't always true, but, you know, get your act together, pass some really good legislation that benefits people and they'll go, Hey, these are, these, these people deserve to be reelected, but uh, you know, everyone is too busy you know, whether it's on the far left or, or, or the, you know, the United States, uh, the Democrats got the, the two problems. They've got the AOC at one end uh, and, and well, Bernie Sanders is a, as uh, an independent, but uh, you know, his, his followers who are kind of uh, Democrats as well. And then you, you've got, you've got the other side where you've got the right-wing Democrats, the Dixiecrats who will not uh, support uh, Biden either. And you've got to, you know, they're so busy fighting each other and trying to cobble together some kind of compromise inside their own party. One thing the right has always been good at is getting into lockstep with each other and beating up the other people. Oh, absolutely. I, I have this uh, feeling, and I don't want it to be true, but I have this feeling that there's a lot of um, people who consider themselves activists and loud voices on the left who are really there to make themselves feel like they're a good person. 
um, not to really solve the problem. Their main goal is to is to demonstrate to people and to themselves that they are a good person aligned with proper values. But actually accomplishing anything, it would be nice, but I don't think it's their main drive. Yeah, no, and you know, you, you know, even people who are supposedly allies, people of good faith, and I always look at people's motivation as opposed to, you know, everyone slips somewhere or another. You know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, you, you've misgendered somebody or, you know, or that's, you know, not to get uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, you know, but you get the wrong pronoun, but you're trying, you're trying really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, somebody gets joy out of calling you out because you've, 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 you've slipped up in some way. Uh, innocently um, and instead of going like hey this this person is an ally and is trying you know believes all the right stuff and and all the rest uh, you know they'd much rather beat you up in order to show their purity than work together to you know advance a common goal whereas I say the you know the conservatives um, are, are are always looking for allies and the uh, the left is always looking for internal enemies yeah it's and, and they know this like the left knows what their problems are but they can't get over themselves enough to to solve the problems because each person each cause like the left is made up of a number of causes each person thinks their cause is the most important so they're and they don't believe a, a lot of like too many left-wing voices um who influence uh the discussions who feel that any compromise is uh is selling out your values as opposed to an adult who recognizes compromise is the way to get get a win it's to hold out for a complete win and nothing else means you're going to get nothing because nobody gets a complete win you have to recognize you you have to come to terms with other people and you have to you know you want something i want something let's see how we can make this work um and the i the the purity test you were talking about earlier it's that it's the the notion that uh you can't compromise if if you and if you if you consider yourself sort of a centrist maybe a center left person then you're as bad as the right because you're not fully committed all in to the 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 rabid rhetoric um, of the left if, because you want to see something actually get done. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if the left had that kind of internal di- uh, discipline, they would do an awful lot better in the American midterms uh, rather than squabbling among themselves and, you know, having, you know, playing, playing the political game and saying, okay, you know, there are things we've got to do to get elected. Uh, we will because you know, we, we will do them because if we don't get elected. We don't get a chance to do any of them. Um, whereas you know, the, again, the Republican Party has has mastered this you know, since the uh, since the Reagan years, since the, the dark money and, and the big power brokers. You know, they realize they can't have everything all at once. They you know they've they've been patiently waiting for fifty years to overturn Roe v. Wade, and eventually they did it. Um, they, yeah, played, they, play they the play the long game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the left plays very short games. Yeah, and... it's like what score? What what point can I score today? Whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or you know calling calling somebody out as a, as a traitor to your to your class, to your gender, to your you know what have you. 
Yeah, it'd, it'd be nice if they recognized that the way to progress often, progress that holds is incremental. Um, but they, you suggest that and you are not on side. And that's a sad thing because I believe in a lot of the things that the left uh, champions. Um, yet often they go overboard. Um, they never, they don't take into account that some of the things they are proposing, the attitude changes that they're proposing, um, are uh, scary uh, to some people. Uh, you talk about trans rights. Well, the people who live in rural wherever, who probably have never met a trans person, um, to them, the idea of changing their world, it's frightening to them. Uh, the idea that the world outside that they, they lived in for so long now has a completely different set of rules frightens them. And you know what? You can, you can mock them. You can ignore them. You can uh, demonize them. But they're there and they're a factor. And the notion that you should recognize that some people, they're not necessarily hateful. They're just unsure, um, awkward, uh, afraid. And you've got to take those people and say, look, I get where you're coming from. This is a lot <laughs> for you to take in. Instead of treating them like pieces of crap, reach out to them and, and try to bridge that. Don't be so scary to them. Don't be people who they always see as yelling at them. Um, you, coexistence and respect goes both ways. And I'm not saying you, res you should respect and coexist with, with bigotry, but a lot of bigotry is based in ignorance, lack of information. And once you uh, meet people, you recognize, you, know, you meet a trans person, you recognize, I'm not, well, this is nothing to scare me. This is somebody else's life. This is them living their life the way they live. This that doesn't affect this my life. This is about me minding my own business. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, it doesn't, this does not affect my life. It there is, I'm not going to go to jail for misgendering somebody, despite what, uh, you know, Rose Jordan Peterson to fame. Um, you know, it, and uh, as you said, though, when people slip, and misgender something as it happens sometimes the key is to be when somebody is clearly done it as an error uh, the key is to be gentle with them yeah. um don't put, don't, don't make don't, an enemy out of a friend yeah exactly so you know someone who's genuinely trying um but uh, you know and there then there are people who are generally genuinely trying uh, you know uh, you know Kanye West is uh, is 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 seems to have embraced anti-semitism for some reason i'm going to chalk that up to his precarious mental uh, health but uh, you know there, there there are people who try there are people who don't try and you know i you know, i get this on twitter all the time too sometimes i'm pretty rough with people who are uh, you know who are you know, the bigots and the people who ought to know better you know some of them you know talking about, again about the freedom convoy about the people who are worried about their freedoms and sometimes i get criticized as saying well you know you should be you should be a little nice to these people and bring them along and there are times when i just get tired of being nice to these people it's just like no 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 you I'm I'm tired of, of coddling you people. It's uh it's time to call you people the out for the idiots that you are. You're just uh you know maybe you're salvageable, but uh, you know it's not my job to do that, and I'm 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 not going to waste any time on you. And uh, I think that's uh, a very fair uh, way to to look at it, because um, after a while, um, 
when somebody refuses to get it, uh, when somebody is, is being rejectionist and somebody is not engaging in good faith in a discussion. Or they've been confronted with facts, which they just ignore. Yeah. It, at that point, you've done, you've, you've taken you've done the all you approach. Yeah. At that yeah. point, you need, you need a stick. Um, <laughs> so we've been talking for a while. It's probably good for us to, uh, to leave something more to talk about next time. Oh, I'm sure there'll be something to talk about next time. We mm -hmm. seem to be in interesting times. Yeah, I hate that. Um, yeah, I do too. <laughs> so uh, uh, we'll be back when we're back again. Um, thank you for listening to us. Uh, Stephen Lawton's can be found on Twitter at Stephen Lawton's, which is spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-A-U-T-E-N-S. Um, I recommend uh, following his, his Twitter especially. Uh, smart, sharp, funny stuff, and it's educational. So, Stephen, thank you uh, again for for your time and and sitting with me here. No, oh, thank you, and uh, thank you for listening. I'm Stephen Kersner, and this has been Stephen and Stephen.